Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a refuge for those in trouble. We pray that we would find ourselves today trusting in you afresh and finding in you all that we need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder what comes into your mind whenever you hear the word shelter. Perhaps it's huddling under an umbrella when the rain comes tumbling down and you try to get some protection from the elements. You get the same idea with a a bus shelter. When you're waiting for a bus that um, might be slow in coming, uh, you can stand in under the shelter to get out of the rain or the wind, or if it's from Anna, normally both the rain and the wind. The idea is also found in the charity, which is called Shelter, which works with the homeless or at those animal rescue shelters. They're all a safe place, a protected place, somewhere to find security. With the children going back to school, Uh, Though I uh, began to think back to the best time of my school days. And before you shout out, it wasn't the home time bell. (laughs) This was slightly better uh, because it was break time and lunch time. (laughs) Because it meant, no, 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 not because I was eating. (laughs) Because if it wasn't raining and it didn't rain as much in County Down as it does here so there was more days available but if it wasn't raining we were allowed out into the playground and that was great because you could play football or you could um, play chases or you could uh, swap uh, football stickers or pogs or top trumps or any of those type of things that kind of were around for six months and then something else took over But the best thing about the playground was that if you were ever annoyed by anyone, if someone wanted to start a fight with you or someone wanted to um, beat you up, then you knew what to do. You got close to Mrs. Malcolmson or Mrs. Osborne or Mrs. Clark and if it was really bad, Mrs. Barr because she was the really strict dinner lady. You see, the dinner ladies took no nonsense. No one would dare come near you if you were beside them. The dinner ladies were a shelter. They were a safe place if anyone wanted to beat you up. A person being a safe place, being a shelter. And that's the idea that David shows us in verse 1 of the psalm. And it might be good if you were turned back in the service sheet to find where the psalm is. 
verse 1. O Lord my God, in you do I take refuge. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me. In this month of August, we've been looking at some of the Psalms from David's life. Last week, we saw how David was able to sleep soundly, despite being driven out of Jerusalem by his rebellious son, Absalom. Because David knew that God was my shield, my glory, and the lifter of my head. As David continues on his journey out of Jerusalem, he is annoyed by the words of this Benjaminite. This man who shouts curses at David and throws stones at David. And so David takes refuge in God. He finds that the Lord is a shelter. He needs God to be a shelter because otherwise, verse 2, he would be torn apart as if a lion had got hold of him. God is David's shelter. And even though we've seen uh, in previous weeks that David was far from perfect, yet he claims to be innocent of this charge. He appeals to God as his judge. Verse 3, O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is wrong in my hands, if I have repaid my friend with evil or plundered my enemy without cause. Lord, if this was true, then I do deserve the enemy to triumph. David feels so strongly, he feels wrongly accused. And so he cries out to God who sees everything and who knows everything. Whenever you're accused of wrongdoing, how do you handle it? Do you go on the attack? Or do you turn to the Lord, your shelter and your refuge? In the words of that hymn, David takes it. To the Lord in prayer. He appeals to the judge and he rests his case. There's that sailor, that pause, that change is coming. From verse 6 then we see David uh, owning God as his vindicator. The one who will show and prove that David is in the right. I wonder would you talk to God like this? Verse 6, arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up against the fury of my enemies. Awake for me. Do you see the, the action in those three sentences? Arise, lift yourself, awake. God, don't just sit there doing nothing. Don't just sit there allowing this to happen, me to suffer without cause. God, get up and do something. It's almost an echo of those words that will be heard in homes all around the county over the next couple of weeks. Get up. Your school bus is coming. Get up. 
It's nearly nine o'clock. You need to be in school. And what is it that God has to do? Verse six again. Arise, lift yourself up, awake for me. You have appointed a judgment. David knows that God has fixed a day on which to judge the living and the dead. David knows that God alone is the judge, the one who is able and qualified to judge us perfectly. But David's frustrated because that day hasn't come yet. Why is it not here? Come on God, do it. David seems to be impatient with God. But God isn't doing his job. He's slow to do his job. That he is slow to act on David's behalf. Have you ever found yourself in the same boat? The wicked seem to get away with their wickedness. And so you cry out, come on God, don't let them get away with it. Don't let them accuse me falsely. Perhaps you're in the middle of something right now. And you're wondering where God is. Let's see how David copes. But in verse 8, it's, as David continues to cry out to God, it almost looks as if David has gone too far. You see, David may well be right to be cross with those accusations. He is certainly right to call on God. But is he right to say, verse 8, look at it with me. The Lord judges the people's. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to the integrity that is in me. It's one thing to claim to be innocent in one particular charge. It's quite another thing to claim to have righteousness and integrity all the time in everything. No slips, no faults, no secrets. It's one thing to ask for God to judge others. But do we really want God to judge us? To come under his searchlight? How can David ask God to judge him according to his own righteousness? We find the answer in verse 10 and the verses that follow. David says this, My shield is with God, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. If a man does not repent, God will whet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. Here's why David is upright. Here's why uh, David uh, can have righteousness and integrity. He hasn't worked it up himself. He hasn't been good enough himself. 
He has received it through repentance. You see, by taking refuge in the Lord, by coming under the shelter that God has provided, then David is counted as righteous. But for any who will not repent, God is presented as the righteous judge. If a man does not repent, God will whet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for him his deadly weapons, making his arrows fiery shafts. These are hard words. And yet they are true words. Because those who do not repent are in the firing line. The sword, the bow and arrow, they are all aimed at the sinner. You see, to rebel against God is to sign up for the enemy. To stand in opposition to God, to fight against God. That's the position we're all in by nature. And unless we have done something about it, unless we have surrendered and turned around, then we're still in the firing line. God is angry at sin. Not an unpredictable vindictive anger the way some people might be all sweetness and light one moment and then something happens and they they just snap God's not like that but he has a perfect holy indignation against sin his anger is directed towards all that dishonors him and rejects his way But alongside God's anger, we're also afflicted on the inside. It's as if David brings us to the maternity ward to give us an examination, to give us a scan of what is going on inside us. Verse 14. He says, Behold, The wicked man conceives evil and is pregnant with mischief and gives birth to lies. There's that process that evil is conceived and then uh, mischief is uh, pregnant, about to burst out and then gives birth to lies. You see, our sin comes from inside and destroys us from the inside out. It's almost like one of those Tom and Jerry cartoons or uh, maybe even better at Roadrunner and Wild E. Coyote. I wonder, have you ever seen that? Do you know uh, the one, it's, it's the bird that you know, runs along the road and the, the coyote is always trying to come up with a trap. So you know, he, he um, paints the, the, the side of the cliff with the black paint to make it look like a tunnel and Roadrunner runs right through and then Wiley Coyote tries to follow and he 
into the, the rock face. Or he sets some kind of a trap, a big um, anvil. I don't know why it's always an anvil, but it's an anvil anyway. And, you know, whenever Roadrunner runs over the, the twig or something, then the, the anvil will fall on top of his head. And, you know, Roadrunner runs over it two or three times and nothing happens. And finally, Coyote, he stands and suddenly splat. It's almost as if they got their ideas from verse 15 and verse 16. He makes a pit, digging it out, and falls into the hole he has made. His mischief returns upon his own head, and on his own skull his violence descends. You see, the way of sin, the way of wickedness, does not prosper. Our sins return on us and destroy us. By continuing in sin, not only are we our own worst enemies, but also we have God as our enemy. David finds comfort in these verses. As he looks forward to God's final judgment and the end of evil and enemies. But this might be the wake up call that we need. Perhaps you will consider your ways. And realise that the path you might be on doesn't lead to life. But it doesn't have to be that way. Because you can also experience the assurance that David knew. You can also be confident of standing in that day of judgment. You see, God is our refuge. God is our judge. And out of his great love for us, he turned The weapons that were due to us. And he turned them on his own precious son. Jesus bore the punishment that we deserve. Jesus died the death that we should have died. He takes away our sin. And instead he gives us that perfect righteousness that is his. The righteousness that David knew as his own. Not worked for. Not earned. But simply received as a gift by faith. Whenever we take refuge in God. The accuser can shout all he wants. Because God's verdict has already been passed. As Paul writes in Romans 8. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Through the week. 
people got results. Some pupils might have been very nervous as they went to the school or as they opened the post. But imagine that they knew before they started the course that they were guaranteed a pass. Do you think they would have any nervousness about results day? When we trust in Christ, when we take refuge in him, we know the result before we get there. God has already given us his righteousness in Christ. And that's why David turns to thanks and praise in that very last verse. I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness. And I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the Most High. Hallelujah. What a saviour. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wonderful, great, amazing love for us. That while we were sinners, while we were your enemies, Christ died for us. We pray, Father, that you would help each one of us to take refuge in you. We pray that we would be found in you. That we would rejoice in your salvation. And in your righteousness. We pray this. In Jesus name. Amen.